All right, the series Bless. So what we've been going through here is um, going through how do we live out the great commandment and the great commission. Last week we learned about discovering our mission, and our mission was to love people, to love God. That is the great commandment. And our great commission is to make disciples. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. Um, and the way we go about doing that is by blessing others, by blessing others. Um, uh, there's very few people here today, but I want you to look at somebody and say, I'm blessed. Just find somebody to say, maybe if you have to turn and say, hey, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I don't know about you, but I'm blessed that I'm here today. Um, Ephesians 1.3 declares this over our life. Let's look at Ephesians 1 and 3. Uh, it says, all praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So that tells us, that confirms to us that God has blessed us. He's given us every spiritual blessing because we are united, we are yoked, we are abiding in Christ. Um, through these blessings, we are to bless others. Genesis 12, verse 2. God commands this blessing over Abraham and his future generations. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. You will bless others. And last week we learned that part of our mission and how we bless others is to reach out to people who are far from God. We re help restore them back into relationship with God. And we reproduce the mission of Jesus to love God and love people um, in others as well. So in this series, Bless, uh, we are going through these five principles. I have a, a, a slide here with five icons, and you can see each one represents one of the letters of bless. We have B-L-E-S-S. -S. And what we're doing here, again, is giving you the practical tools of how you bless people that you are in contact with, people that you talk with, people that you communicate with. So today we'll be going through the B. We'll get to that in a second. But all of this here is based off of the work of Dave Ferguson in a book that he calls Bless. This is the book here. I suggest if you really want to know more about Bless, um, buy the book. It's like $15 on Amazon. But this leads us deeper into the study of what it means to bless people. Now, let me make something very clear about this series. Uh, converting people, okay, or making people change. How many of you know that? We have no power to do that. You, you don't convert anyone. You can't change anyone. God does that work. The Holy Spirit does that work, but he uses you to help people walk along that process of them coming into relationship with God. And your job is not to convert people. Your job is not to change people. Your job is to bless people, to bless people. So, so that's what we're really getting into, into this series is how do we become a blessing to others? How do we become a blessing to others? So today and for the next four weeks, we'll be going through each one of these letters. Why is this important? Why are we going through this series here in the summer? One, because the most important reason is you want to live on mission as a follower of Jesus. You want to live on mission with him, right? If he said your mission is to make disciples, you want to live that mission. If he said the great commandment of your life is to love God and to love people, you want to follow that commandment. So that's the main reason why we're doing this series. Uh, another important reason why we're doing this series is because it's hard. I understand it's hard for us to share sometimes our faith and our life with people um, and we all need tools. We need tools to know how to be able to do that and do that well. Um, and here's another important reason why we're going through this series, is that people are open. I don't know if you sense this or if you realize this, but there is a real openness right now uh, 
that people have towards others who are walking with God. Let me explain that. There was a research study done recently that showed uh, 80%, 80% of unchurched people, these are people that don't have a relationship with God, don't go to church, 80% of them are open to having a conversation with someone who is quote-unquote religious. Now, we don't believe in having a religious spirit here. We believe in having a relationship with God, but um, people are open. 80% of people, I want you to think about that, 8 out of every 10 people that you know would be open to sitting down and having a conversation with you about spiritual things. But in that research study, these people expressed three desires. They have three desires when you speak to them. Now, these are not in your notes, but maybe you want to jot these down. Uh, one thing that people desire when you speak to them about religious things is they want you to listen to them without judging them. Very important that as you speak to someone who's maybe struggling or questioning or searching, that you listen to them without judgment. That you don't say, oh, wow, that's crazy. Or that, why would you think that way? Or what's wrong with you? Why don't you just believe? They want you to listen to them without judgment. It's one of the things that they desire. Number two, they desire for you to let them make their own conclusions. Right? They want to make their own conclusions. They don't want you to bend their arm. They don't want you to try to sell something to them. They want uh, you to give them the freedom to think it through and arrive at whatever conclusion they want to. And the last thing that they want, check this out, maybe most surprising. They want to hear your story. They want you to share your perspective. They want to know that in your faith. And if you really believe what you say you believe, they want you to share that with them. So those are three things that people want. So people are open right now. You want to live on mission for God. You want to get equipped to do this right. And you want to be ready when the presentation of the opportunity arrives for you. So today we're talking about which means begin in prayer. Uh, prayer is something interesting, right? Um, prayer is something we know here in church. We pray. Uh, church is about prayer. People who believe in God usually pray. Other statistics say that a, a close to 70% of people, no matter what religious affiliation they have, they pray. 70%. Think about that. So prayer is something that's part of people's most everyday life, hopefully. Um, but even though we expected to pray, Jesus made it clear to us. He said, when you pray, uh, we know a lot of people don't pray. Uh, some people have a misconstrued idea of what prayer is. Some people think, oh, man, I have to pray. It's like something I have to do. I have to check the box on my religious to-do list. I have to pray. That's one of the first things we need to change about prayer is not looking at it as something we have to do, but thinking about prayer as something that we get to do. Think about that. You get to pray. When you follow God, you get to have a conversation with him. That's something amazing. You get to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with God, God the Father, God the creator of heaven and earth. You get to pray. It's not something that you should see that I have to pray. No, we get to pray. But I know many people don't. Um, but this is one of the easiest ways that you get to love your neighbor is simply by praying for them. Praying for them. Um, how many of you have the handout? Anyone need a handout that's here? Anyone need one? Everyone have one? Awesome. Great. Okay. So my plan today is just to share with you some, some ideas about why prayer is important. We're going to look to the model of Jesus for this. Why did Jesus model the importance and the necessity of prayer for us? And, and, and what are some roadblocks to prayer? And then what are some practical steps that you could use 
uh, before you begin praying for those people that you feel you need to reach, you need to restore and help reproduce the mission of Jesus in their life. But here are three reasons why people uh, sometimes don't pray. Here are three reasons why sometimes people don't pray. Here's the first quote that I hear a lot. Uh, people say, I don't know how. I don't know how to pray. I don't know the language. I don't know the scriptures. So I can't pray because I don't know how. Um, and some people have this misunderstanding that there's a special way to pray or that there's this formula or certain words you need to use. And that's not true, right? A prayer is a conversation with God. Just like you have a conversation with your children or your spouse or your coworker or your friends, you have a conversation with God. There's no formula. There's no uh, uh, specific way to pray. Yes, Jesus gave us the Our Father, which is a format of prayer, but you don't need to follow that. Prayer is conversation with God. It's as simple as saying, God, lead me to the people that I need to share you with. Uh, show who people are. Lead me to them. Open up opportunities. So we need to get rid of this idea of, I don't pray because I don't know how. Here's a second reason people say why they don't pray. Another popular one. I'm too busy. I just don't have time. I can't pray. My schedule is full. My to-do list is full. Now, I appreciate this uh, excuse because of its honesty. Some people just say, it's not that I don't want to pray. It's not that I don't know how to pray. It's just, honestly, I'm too busy. And I want to challenge this idea of being busy um, and say, you know, distracting you from your mission. Busyness may even be an idol in your life. Your schedule, your to-do list, some people idolize their busyness. And because it brings them purpose, because it brings them a sense of fulfillment, or like, hey, I'm getting things done, it makes me feel good, it satisfies a need in my life that I have this to-do list, and I could go to bed every night saying, wow, I accomplished A, B, and C. Uh, well, now, that while that might give you a feeling, sensation of satisfaction, maybe it's pulling you away from God. And I just want to challenge you in saying, is your schedule, is your to-do list becoming an idol in your life? Tim Keller describes an idol this way. This is a quote from Tim Keller. He says, what is an idol? An idol is anything that is more important to you than God. When something is more important to your life than God, it becomes an idol, simply put. Sometimes people's schedule has become more important to them than God. It says it's anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Hey, I can't pray. I can't focus on God. I can't hear his voice because I have my to-do list. I have my schedule. I have my routine. I have the things that I got to get done. That becomes an idol in your life. It's anything that you seek to give you what only God gives you. So if you are a person who's driven by your to-do list and getting things done and busyness, and that's what fills you, that's what gives you purpose, that's what satisfies you, hey, maybe that thing is an idol in your life. And maybe there's an adjustment that needs to be made there. The Bible tells a wonderful story of this woman named Martha who, in her busyness, misses Jesus. Jesus is there in her midst, but she's got to prepare the food. She's got to serve it. She's got to get the house guests ready. She needs to get everything done. She needs to put everything in order. And one sister, Mary, is there at the feet of Jesus. She doesn't allow busyness to get in the way of her time with Jesus. But Martha has a Martha mindset, and she's distracted. Does your busyness keep you in a Martha mindset where you're distracted by busyness? The last do not pray is they say, well, why? It doesn't 
It simply doesn't work. Why should I pray? Prayer doesn't work. And listen, I understand if there's people listening here this morning who have um, doubts because of unheard prayers. They believe their prayers are not being heard. I just want to say very clearly that that's the number one thing that the enemy wants you to think, that God doesn't hear your prayers, that God doesn't care, that God is not there, that God is not listening, but that is a lie from hell. That is not the truth. Uh, Sometimes do prayers go unanswered? Sometimes we don't get the answers that we expect from our prayers. Can I explain that? I don't have an answer for you. I am not God. But I believe God knows all things. God answers every prayer in his own ways. Here are some reasons maybe why prayers don't get answered. Maybe we're asking for the wrong things. The Bible mentions that. Maybe your motives are wrong in what you're asking for. The Bible mentions that. Maybe uh, there's sin in your life that's hindering your prayers. The Bible talks about a man mistreating his wife. That's going to hinder his prayers. So all of why prayer uh, are hindered, but does God not listen to your prayer? No, God hears your prayer. God hears your cry. And I want to ask you today to give prayer another chance. To give prayer another chance. Uh, here's something that you could write in your notes. Prayer is how we discover the mission. This is in your notes. Prayer is how you discover the mission. And through prayer, you'll learn how to pursue it. How do you pursue the mission? The people that God has placed in your life, how do you pursue that mission? And what the specific thing to do, you discover that through prayer. I know many people, I talk to many people, they say, I want God to use me. I want, I want God to do things through my life. I want God to, to, to be able to bless um, um, others through my story and my life. And they sit and they wait on God uh, for God to give them the green light. And today I want to challenge you and say, you know, instead of sitting and waiting on God to give you the green light, what if you took the step and say, God, I'm going to pray and I'm going to make myself available. Now you take me. Instead of sitting and waiting, you took the first step. And you begin to pray for people. And you begin to intercede that people would come to know him. So so I I want to challenge that idea of sitting back and saying, I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to wait on the Lord to use me. No, no, what are you saying? God, here I am. Use me. I'm going to pray so you can show me who I need to talk to, who I need to share with. Because it's through prayer that you discover the mission and you learn how to pursue it. Let's look at the life of Jesus. Let's look at the life of Jesus. Um, Jesus before he launched anything meaningful in his life, prayed. Before he began things, he prayed. Um, let's go back to when Jesus himself was baptized. How many knew that Jesus was baptized himself, right? That's pretty amazing. That's why we take the step of baptism as well, because Jesus himself was baptized. Look at uh, the Gospel of Luke here in chapter 3, verse 21. It says, On the day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized, and as he was praying, the heavens opened up. So here's Jesus. Uh, He's kind of pronouncing himself publicly. It's his baptism. And what is Jesus doing as he's being baptized? He is praying. Jesus is praying. Right after this baptism, uh, Jesus, it says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus, then full of the Holy Spirit, because he had been baptized, returned from the river, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So he was about to launch into his public ministry. And what does Jesus do? 
Jesus prays. He goes into the wilderness where he prays and fasts for 40 days. For 40 days, he prays and he fasts. He was launching his public Launching the public ministry, what does Jesus do? He prays and he fasts. His whole life, Jesus was a man of prayer. At the very end, on the night where he was going to be betrayed, he takes three of his disciples into the garden. We find this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. It says, Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. What do we find Jesus doing? He's praying. He knows he's at the cross, basically. He's about to be turned into the authorities. Judas is about to kiss him on the cheek and betray him. And what do we find Jesus doing? Praying. Praying. All throughout Jesus' life, we find him in moments of prayer. Before he goes into these pivotal moments, what does he do? He begins with prayer. Now, you might be asking yourself this morning, why did Jesus need to pray? Wasn't he God? Like, it doesn't make sense if you're God... Why do you pray? Like, like It's almost like if you're the boss, man, uh, why do you write a check out to yourself? Like you're just paying yourself. It doesn't make sense. Like why would you do that? Like why would Jesus uh, feel led to pray? There's a couple reasons why Jesus feels led to pray. Number one, was uh, Jesus fully God? Yes, he was. But was Jesus fully man? Yes, he was. That means when he was in the garden, it tells us he was sweating. He was stressed. He was feeling anxiety. He was being overwhelmed by feelings of dread at the cross that was before him. And even though he was fully God, he was fully man, and he felt everything that man feels, and he was still dependent on the Father. Just like you and I are dependent on the Father, so was Jesus. Jesus would pray to God the Father constantly for the power, for, for understanding, for compassion, for the city, for the people, for those who were possessed, for the sick. Jesus would pray because he was also living the life for us as a model. You see, Jesus came for us to, to show us this is how we are to live. And through Jesus' life, he's teaching us we are to be people of prayer. If Jesus, who was God himself, also prayed, shouldn't we? Of course. Because that's why he's praying, to give us the model of how we are to be. And here you see the model. Before you launch into something, what do you do? You begin with prayer. You begin with prayer. Now, through this series of bless, what the challenge is, is one of the easiest ways to love your neighbors and to bless them is to pray for them. It's to, it's, it's to, it's to pray, pray that God would open their heart and that God would give you opportunity to speak to them. Maybe these are people you know well. Maybe these are people you don't know well. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a new, new, new neighbor who moved into the block. But, but one of the ways that we are uh, to love on people is to pray for them. And specifically, we pray for people who uh, we say, God, who is my path and who is it that I want to connect with? So here, chapter 6, we see Jesus praying again. And again here, Jesus is about the next phase of his ministry. Um, he needs to choose who's going to be on my team. Who's going to be on my team? How many of you remember, uh, maybe in grade school or high school, you were picked as the captain of the team, and they would line everybody up, and then you have to go through that awkward process of choosing people. How many of you have lived through that, right? Uh, how many of you liked being the team captain? Anyone here liked being the team captain? 
the pressure was off of you when you were the captain, right? But when you weren't the captain and you were the kid who was waiting around to be picked, as the people were getting picked and you weren't, oh, that was a tough feeling, wasn't it? That was a tough feeling. Uh, Jesus here is picking his team. Uh, and look in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says, one day soon afterwards, so Jesus had been doing his thing, going about his life, now he feels the need to pray because he knows I got to interact with people. I got to build my team. God, I want you to show me who I should reach out to and who I with. So look what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. There he is. He's praying. And it says he prayed to God all night. This is how important, this is how crucial this moment is to Jesus. That one, he removes himself. He's intentional. He says, I'm going to get away from everyone. I'm going to go up this mountain because I got to pray to God because I am about to enter into something that's important here. And God, I need your help. Verse 13 says, at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. So he grabs all his followers and he says, um, these are going to be the 12. And he does this after he what? After he prays. After he prays. Now, listen, we don't know what the prayer was. We don't, the Bible doesn't say the words that Jesus used. We don't know how long he was in prayer. Um, but we know that when he prays, he prays to God. And in the morning, he has the clarity that he needs to choose his 12 disciples. God had given him clearness of mind, of heart and intention to say, these are the 12 that you're going to choose to be your followers. Hey, these are going to be the 12 that I'm going to use to build and establish my church on, on this earth. You know, the, these 12 are a picture of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now they had kind of, you know, gone off the path a little bit. So to replace those 12, we're getting a new 12 and Jesus, you're going to choose them. The pressure is on you. And again, he was fully God and fully man. So what does he do? He prays, God, show me who to choose. And let me show you who God chooses. These 12 right here, right? Now, I love this picture because one thing sticks out about this picture. <laughs> Whoever the artist is here was very purposeful. Uh, 11 of the 12 have halos and one does not. We can all probably guess who the one who doesn't have the halo is, right? So we, we wouldn't know which one's Simon or which one's Peter, but we all know this brother over here, that's Judas, right? Because <laughs> he doesn't have a halo over his, his eye. That's why I love this picture. But, but here are the 12 that Jesus chooses. Now, if you read the Gospel of Luke, we really don't get a lot of information on who these 12 guys were. But if you do a little bit of digging, a little bit of research, you can learn more about them. Uh, there's Simon and Andrew. These were two brothers who were fishermen, right? Along with them, they had two other brothers that were their partners in the fishing business, their names were James and John. Now, these guys had the nicknames as the Sons of Thunder because they were known to have bad attitudes. You know, they were, they were uh, hot-headed. They were temperamentic. They were problematic. They spoke their mind, James and John. Those were the Sons of Thunder because they were, they, were, they were like that. They were in your face. Jesus chooses them. Jesus chooses Philip and Bartholomew. We don't even know anything about these brothers. Not a word is spoken of them. They were a couple of nobodies. He then chooses Matthew and Thomas. Matthew is a tax collector, a person that people hate. Jesus chooses him. 
Thomas was the party pooper of the group. You know, always doubting, always a Debbie Downer. Oh, you know, maybe we should go because if we don't get there, someone's going to die. You know, he was kind of a guy that was, you know, a skeptic, a doubter, even to the last moment when Jesus died and had to show him, hey, Thomas, right here, right here, right here, feel my hands, feel my side. So he chooses Thomas, a doubter. He chooses Matthew, a tax collector. He chooses a guy named James, whose nickname was the lesser. Imagine if that was your nickname. What's your name? James. But in the streets, they call me the lesser James. Wow, that's kind of saying, like, you, you, you're not as good close to Jesus as the other James. You're James the Lesser. He chose a guy named Simon the Zealot, a revolutionary, a guy, a guy who liked to start fights, a guy who was, you know, a brawler in the streets and liked to set things off. Then he chose himself a couple of Judases, one Judas who we don't know anything really about, and another Judas who would betray him. I liked going to the Bulls games I only saw Michael Jordan play once in my life. But there was nothing like sitting through that opening where they would give you the starting lineup. And now, the starting lineup for your Chicago Bulls. And they would announce Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, and the crowd would go crazy. I want you to imagine, like, if this was in modern times, Jesus would say, okay, church, and now, the starting lineup for my team of apostles, James the Lesser. Who? Bartholomew. Who's that? A tax collector, Matthew. Interesting that after praying a whole night, Jesus chooses a team that basically nobody would have chose. Nobody would have chose these 12, but he did. Why? Because God had led him to do it. Now listen, these 12, these 12, 11 of them, 11 of them, minus Judas, would go and share the gospel to the ends of the earth. Some of them would go to India. Some of them would go to England. Some of them would go into Asia Minor. Some of them would go into Europe. Some of them would reach Spain. Some of them would go everywhere. Eleven of them would share the gospel of Jesus after Jesus' death. Eleven of the twelve, minus Judas. Ten of these twelve would go to their death because of their faith. Some of them were speared to death. Some of them were stoned to death. Some of them were crucified. Some of them were boiled. Some of them were, were fed to the lions. But 10 of the 12, again, Judas was not one of them. And John, whoever he is here, John is the only one of the 12 who died of old age. But 10, the other 10, would go to their deaths because of their faith. God used these simple 11 change the world. How did Jesus know who to choose? He began with prayer. He prayed. Who are you going to know how to bless? He prayed. He prayed. So here's where I want you to take your notes and we're going to begin to wrap this up. Here's, here's three reasons why you should begin with prayer. This is in your notes. These are very important. And if you're watching at home, maybe you want to copy these down on a piece of paper um, and meditate over these uh, over the week. But here are three reasons why we really need to begin in prayer. Here's the first reason. First reason to begin in prayer is because in prayer, you open yourself to God. You open yourself to God and the leading of his Holy Spirit. When you pray, what you're saying is, God, I'm opening up myself to you. You know better than me. You see things I don't see. You know things I don't know. I want you to show me where I should go and who I should speak to. I want your Holy Spirit to lead me. So in prayer, you open yourself 
to God and the leading of his spirit. We see a scripture here in Acts 1.8. It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere about me. So this is the promise that Jesus gives of the Holy Spirit that will come on the church, and that through the power of this Holy Spirit, you will be led to witness to people about the love of Jesus. One of the main reasons why we pray is to open yourself up and to say, God, lead me by the power of your Holy Spirit. The second reason why we pray is to focus your mind to recognize his promptings. In prayer, you focus your mind. We, 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 we are intentional about saying, God, I'm tuning out my schedule. I'm tuning out the things to do on my list. And I'm going to be purposeful to listen to your voice and to hear what you're telling me, Lord, because uh, I want to follow you well. I want to know that you're leading me. If you're prompting me to stop and have lunch with this person at work, God, I want to be open enough and aware to see that. Uh, prayer allows you to focus your mind. Prayer is like breathing. You breathe in, you breathe out. In prayer, you speak to God. There's words that you speak to God, but then there should be moments where you sit back and breathe in and hear the voice of God. And it's through that rhythm of prayer where you're speaking to him, but yet you're listening to him, where you're saying, God, I want to be focused so I can hear your voice. It might not be a voice, but it might be a nudge to say, hey, that person at the gym that you've been using the same machine with, maybe you should ask them to lunch sometime. Maybe you should treat them to a protein shake after the workout, right? Or, hey, pray for them. Ask them their name. Say, hey, nice to meet you. And now that you have their name, maybe pray for them this week. Okay, so, so when we pray, we're able to focus ourselves because we're breathing in the rhythm of prayer. We're speaking, but we're listening, and we're saying, God, my mind is alert, and I want to follow your promptings. I want you to, to, to lead me. Uh, we should know God's voice, right? We should know when something's of God. And again, it's not always words. Some people ask, what does God's voice sound like? Is it, it's not like Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones, you know? Uh, sometimes it's just a nudge to say, hey, go go tell that person God loves them. Have you ever gotten that feeling before? There was a homeless man who lived around our house years ago, years ago, and his shoes were all beat up. And I mean, they were like in pieces. And, and, and one day I felt like God telling me, stop what you're doing right now. Go to the shoe store, buy that man new shoes, and give them to him right now, right now. I don't want you to go home. I was heading home from work. Stop what you're doing right now and do that. And I, I, it felt so overwhelming. It felt so, this is, God, this is clearly you. You know what I did? I, I made a turn. I parked into a, a Payless shoe store. I bought a pair of, of shoes. I went to that man where he was under a, a, a little roof of a closed-down business. And I said, look, sir, I don't know you. I don't know your name. But I felt like God was telling me to come and give you this pair of shoes. Do you mind if I switch your shoes for you? And you know what he told me? And I was like, God, is this still you? <laughs> I was like, what do I do now? He, he said, no. Uh, you know, sometimes people who are in that situation, they become so attached to the little that they have, they don't want to let it go. It's, it's not as easy as it is for you and me. For you and me, it's, oh, it's new shoes. Heck yeah, put them on. But to them, these shoes have got them there. This, these shoes have helped them survive. For them to release these shoes aren't so easy. So in that moment, I had to humble myself say, okay, sir, I'm just going to leave them here for you. And when you're ready and when you want to, you, 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 can, put it, you can put them on. But 
need to hear his voice. John chapter 10, verse 4 and 5 says, this is Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd that leads you. This is how Jesus describes himself. He says, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of him, ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. We should have that kind of relationship with Jesus where it's so close, where we're so focused on him that we know his voice. So when he speaks, you know what we do? We follow him. We follow his promptings. He says, they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. I love how Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And we should be people who recognize his voice that clearly that clearly. The last reason why we pray is because in prayer you receive direction to discover the people that God wants you to bless. It's going to be through prayer, through you praying for people that you will learn man, these are the people, God, that you're putting in my path. These are the people that you want me to reach out to. God will make it clear, just like he made it clear to Jesus. Pick the tax collector. Pick those fishermen brothers. Pick that rowdy guy Simon who starts all the fights. Pick this group of nobodies. Nobody knows who they are. It's okay. I'm going to use them. Hey, God might make you pick people that you, you're going to ask yourself, really, them? God, they are the ones that you want me to reach out to? Listen, if God speaks it, you do it. In prayer, you'll receive direction to the people that God wants you to bless. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. He might put people in your path that you say, I have nothing in common with them. I kind of low-key don't even like them. Or we've had conflict before. God, really, this is the person you want me to speak to? Don't lean into your own understanding. Trust God. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you. He will show you. He is the good shepherd. He is the one who's going to tell you what path to walk on. He is the one who's going to tell you, these are the people I'm putting in your path. These are the people I'm putting Trust means releasing your apprehension. It means releasing your fear, releasing the pressure. Like, I got to say something right to this person. No. Remember, you don't change anyone. You don't convert anyone. God does that. Your job is just to bless them. But if you're experiencing fear or apprehension in doing so, remember, trust. Trust the Lord. You've prayed about it, and God will give you the answer. The last part of your notes here are just three things that if you're going to want to do this correctly, three things that if you're going to want to do this correctly, um, do these three things, okay? There are three Ps, three Ps. The first one, plan. There's a, a saying very popular, if you plan to fail, you, or if you fail to plan, you better plan to fail, right? That's, that's true in everything. If you want to uh, do a, a construction project in your house and you don't plan right, you don't get the right tools, you don't get the right equipment, and you try it, guess what? You're going to fail. You want to plan a vacation and you don't budget right, you don't uh, research right, your vacation's going to fail. If you fail to plan, you better plan to fail. The same goes with prayer. If you're going to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to do the B this week and I'm going to bless people by beginning in prayer, but I have no plan. Make a plan. Carve out five minutes of your morning. Take time before lunch. On your drive home, maybe turn the radio down for 10 minutes on your commute. And say, God, this is going to be the time where I pray. You need to have a plan for you to pray. The second P stands for prepare. Prepare. Prepare your heart. Prayer is about God changing us first. 
before he uses you to try to change someone else's life, right? Or, or speak into someone else's life. Prayer is, is your opportunity to be filled with oxygen first before you go try to provide oxygen to someone else, right? It's, it's like the mask uh, analogy in, in an aircraft, right? When the emergency happens, the flight attendants tell you parents, put your own mask on first so that way you could then help others because if you're not good, how are you going to do anything good for someone else? This is got to prepare yourself. Prayer is a time of preparation where you say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to speak to this person. Um, but at first I want to pray for myself and I want to pray for them. I want to prepare myself before I launch into prayer. And the last set of P's there are two people and places. So once you have your plan of how you're going to pray, when you're going to pray, and you're prepared your hearts for your prayer, the next thing to ask God is to say, who are the people and where are the places that you want me to pray for? Who are the people? Um, where are the places? Maybe it's your workplace, and you know your workplace needs prayer. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your block. Maybe it's your reading club. Maybe it's your social media group. Uh, you, you pray. You just pray, God, show me the people, and you tell me the places where, where we have to pray, where I should pray for. When we do this, church, we go on an adventure. Life with Jesus was never meant to be comfortable. It was meant to be changing, life change. Life with Jesus is never comfortable, but life with Jesus is life changing. And we do this life change by beginning with prayer, beginning with prayer. All right, if you're at home, um, I don't know if we have the image of the map. We do? Okay, we're going to put that up uh, for the people at home. And if you're here, I want you to turn your notes over to uh, uh, the side where I have some very practical things that you could pray for people. There's there's prayers there where you could just write the name of the people in and and, and pray this week uh, the scriptures over them um, right there in your handout. I'm sorry it printed kind of small. You might need your cheaters. Uh, man, I need mine all the time now, so you might need to use your reading glasses, but for you young people, you should see it pretty easily. Um, but on the bottom of that page, you have something called the Who Is My Neighbor map. Um, here's how I want to end our time today. Is, is I want you to spend maybe uh, 60 seconds right now uh, filling in this map. If you're at home, you don't have this handout, you can make it by doing a simple hashtag, hashtag blessed, hashtag um, uh, uh, tic-tac-toe symbol. And you are here. This is you. You're in the middle. And you have people all around you. And your job is to think of right now who are eight people that you could pray for this week. Who are eight people? Maybe they are family members. Maybe they are friends. Maybe they are coworkers or classmates. Maybe they are um, enemies of yours. Maybe they are people that you have conflict with. But right now, could you think of eight people that you could put in your neighbor map? Because these are the people that God has placed around you. You are close to them. Others maybe are not as close to them as you are. But God has placed you in their life. God wants to use you to bless them. And one of the ways he wants to use you to bless them is for you to pray for them. And again, no more excuses of, I don't know how to pray. On that sheet there, right above that map, there's prayers for you to pray. You just need to write the name of the person in there. But there's prayers that you could pray over those people. Take a moment to do that.